All right, everyone, welcome back to another week, another adventure, another discussion. And this week, we have another guest on with us, and we'll we'll see if you can guess his voice. So we won't formally introduce him yet, mm. but okay, that was <laughs> right there. They was, should just know if they know who it is. They should just know. that little bit of a laugh too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll keep them guessing still. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, maybe they'll be able to guess by this, Father. It is a priest, obviously, since I just said Father. Um, <laughs> how do you take your coffee? Good question. I take my coffee black. Nothing in it at all, but hot, though. Sure. I don't like any of this iced coffee stuff. That's, sure. that's not my thing. But I definitely love coffee but I take it black, and I normally have two cups a day. I tell people the first cup is for you, and the second cup is for me. <laughs> first cup is so that I treat you well. <laughs> the second one, I can enjoy. So, yeah, that's how I take take my coffee. But. As Father Kevin would say, you take your coffee black like your clerics. Yep, I black coffee. I don't put any, no sugar, no cream, no, none of that stuff. Nice. Yeah. I support that. Yep. I support that. And then another thing I was just thinking about this. Do you prefer for your birthday cake or pie? Well, you know, both are really great, but I love pie. Mm. I love pie. And even from a young age, I would normally have birthday pie. Candles would be in the pie. Normally apple. And even even to this day, actually, you know, I, I'm normally blowing candles out of a birthday pie instead of a birthday cake. I just like it more. So You still use birthday candles, like the numbered ones, or like do they put individual ones for how old you are? Well, there wouldn't, that would cover a lot of the pie. So normally it's just, it's just the, the numbers themselves at this point. So okay. yeah, yeah, at this point, he just has to use the numbers because there'd be too many candles. Yeah, it yeah. would take a while. Yeah. He's he's turned over a new leaf this year. Yes. Yeah, I turned 36 a couple of weeks ago, so so he's a he's a you know, old young priest. adult, yeah, is normally considered 18 to 35, you know, in the church and so I've I've passed that, I suppose. So Now you're I'm at a new stage adult. in my life. Yeah. Right. I'm a real adult now maybe. So yeah. maybe. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. The fact that you question if you are a real adult well uh, you know we're all a work in progress by have the we grace actually of God. said who this is yet no this is still part of just like a, a warm-up people can try to guess who it is do you want to introduce who it is sure i mean i, I, mean, I literally see longer. the guy almost every single day but i've known him longer okay oh everyone this is father andy laframboise <laughs> hi everybody great to be with you today and great to be with emma and mary kate so. Yeah. This now, is I do have to ask a question really quick. How do you pronounce your last name? Because I say Laframboise and Jason says Laframboy. We say Laframboise, okay. you know, but. Um, the S. Yeah, we say the S. Obviously, that's not the French pronunciation. It's a French name. It means raspberry. So that's what it means. That's what it means. It does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm on a lot of yogurt in France, so. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, that's how we pronounce it. And but it's very funny though because you know the topic for today. But you know, I'm one of nine kids, 
mm-hmm. and there's seven boys and two girls in my family. And I'm number six in the family, six of nine. There were six boys in a row before a girl. And so I was the last of that string of six. And there were some people growing up that thought that we were just called the Lafram boys because of how many boys were in the family. <laughs> they actually thought the last name was just like Lafram and then boys was just always added oh because gosh. of how many boys there were. So, yeah. But. And then your mom was grateful to get a girl. Yeah. <laughs> she was. But, you know, she loved us all. Right. So, all yep. of all of you guys are yep. a blessing to them. So, yeah, anyways, Father Andy, we're super thrilled to have you on here. You are the pastor of St. Agnes Parish in Freeland, and you also have your licentiate degree in marriage and family. Is yep. that the yep. technical so, title? Yep, it's a licentiate in sacred theology, right. often called an STL, and it's in marriage and family studies. Okay. From the Pontifical John Paul II Institute for Studies, Marriage and Family, and I was at the Washington, D.C. session. There's a few sessions in the world. So, yep, it was a great, great time in my life. I really enjoyed it. Wow. Well, I do want you to speak a little bit more about that. But before then, just if you wouldn't mind sharing just a little bit about where did you come from, you know, like childhood, and then how did you end up as a priest? Yeah, so I grew up right here in the area, in the Diocese of Saginaw. I grew up in Auburn. And, you know, I never thought about priesthood at all when I was young. Family was really important. Faith was really important in the family. We went to Mass every Sunday. We we prayed the rosary daily, prayers before meals, these types of things. It was very much present in the home. Obviously not perfect, but you know, it was very clearly a home where, where faith was passed on. But I just never thought about priesthood at all. You know, it just was not on my not on my radar. But one of the great influences in my life was John Paul II. And I was able to go to World Youth Day in Toronto, which was his last one. That was 2002. And I was 16 at the time. And I just had a really moving experience being there with other young people of faith. And, and there's also something special about having John Paul II there. There was just a real attractiveness to, to his personality, and it's really it's the attractiveness, I think, of holiness. I mean, and that's the best way I could describe it is when he went by me, when he went by us, I really felt like someone very holy had went by me, and I was really just filled with the desire to put the Lord first in my life. And he had a very inspiring homily that day for us as well. I was just really from that point onward, there was a new kind of fire, I guess, in me to really want to serve the Lord, to put the Lord first. Even then, priesthood was not on my radar, but definitely something new had happened in my life and in my journey with, with, with Jesus. I really wanted to live for him. You know, but priesthood kind of came on to, to my heart you know, in a couple ways, I started to first think about it as I was going to college. I went to college, Kettering University, right about that in 2004 is when I started that. And and in that time frame over the next two years, really when my discernment took place, two things that were significant in the course, especially of my first year of college. The first was just listening to the time it was Bishop Carlson talk about the need for priests and the importance of the priesthood in the church. And it really, for me, served as a way to kind of wake up for me to the need for priests. And I just started to think about 
know, who's going to be priests in the next generation for, for the people of God here in Saginaw? Who is going to be giving the sacraments to my family and the next generation? I really started to think about that and, and to realize that the, the need for priests is not just something general, but specific people who need priests. So I really kind of, my eyes were open to the need for priests. But a second thing that happened for me, and this was really very significant in me thinking about the priesthood in a new uh, intentional way, was when John Paul II died. I really found myself um, really attached to just, you know, the coverage and everything and really reflecting on how this man's yes had blessed so many people, including my own life. And I started to really think about that a lot. And, and even the next day, we, we sang a song at, at Mass, it was Divine Mercy Sunday, and we sang, Lord, when you came to the seashore, and it was all about Jesus inviting the disciples to lay down their nets and to be fishers of men. And as we were singing that, I really felt like the Lord was beginning to break into my life and to ask me to do that, mm -hmm. even though that was a fearful thing for me at first, but it really kind of put me on the path to, to discerning a vocation to the priesthood. And so I'm so glad that the Lord put me on that path. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. And we're, I'm glad that you are, said yes to uh, the vocation of being a priest. I wouldn't have the wonderful opportunity of working <laughs> for you if that wasn't the case and so just very grateful for that as well yeah it's 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 a gift being a priest you know it really is and you know I was blessed I was ordained in 2014 and John Paul II had just been canonized mm. just you know a month month and a half or so before my ordination and was really moved by one of the things he had said as a priest he said well at this point he was pope but he said um you know, nothing in my life gives me greater joy than to celebrate Mass each day and to serve God's people in the church. He said, that's been true ever since the day I've been ordained. You know, mm -hmm. nothing has ever changed this. And, and I've always loved that. And, and, and that's one of my prayers is, Lord, help me every day of my life, every day of my priesthood to have that love for the Mass and the love for the people that, that I serve. So mm -hmm. it's a great gift being a priest. Sure. So. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing just a little bit about yourself. We'll dive into the topic for today. So we're going to be talking about marriage and specifically how marriage and the Eucharist very much so go hand in hand, right? So uh, our entire season this year is focusing on this joyful Eucharistic witness. And so we're pulling in, you know, sacraments or different things regarding the liturgy, also personal testimonies and things like that, uh, how the Eucharist is central to that and how we give good witness through the Eucharist in our daily lives. And so, but before we, we dive into that, would you like to open us in a prayer? Sure. I'll, I'll just read one of the uh, options for the collect for a wedding mass. So the collect is the opening prayer of the mass. So I'll just lead us in prayer by reading one of the options for that. O God, who in creating the human race willed that man and wife should be one, Join, we pray, in a bond of inseparable love, these your servants who are to be united in the covenant of marriage, so that as you make their love fruitful, they may become, by your grace, witnesses to charity itself. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right, so as we really start diving into 
marriage. I know you've shared with me before how you have traveled to Philadelphia for the World Meeting of Families, and that was in uh, 2015. And you've mentioned how it just was a very impactful experience for you. And so I just want to give you some time now to share about what was your experience, what really stuck out to you, and what have you brought away from that to be able to impact people, especially those who are preparing for marriage? How have you gained some of the nuggets from the World Meeting of Families to give to them? For me, a couple things that that stand out. And, you know, it was a quick trip. I went with some, uh, with some college students. Mary-Kate was there. We yep. went Saginaw Valley in central Michigan, a group with them. There was another group from the diocese that went as well. And it was a quick, we were there just a couple nights, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. It was a quick thing, but it was really great. And, you know, two things that, that I'll just share in regards to, to that experience. Well, three. Okay. I'll start with the third one. I was able to con-celebrate Mass with the Pope, which as a newly ordained priest was just really cool. <laughs> and I was towards the front of the line of priests as well. And so I was one of the priests who was able to distribute Holy Communion to the crowd at the big papal Mass, mm-hmm. which was really a great, great honor, a great privilege. And, and I'll always be grateful for that. You know, but in, in regards to marriage, a couple things. First of all, the the night before the big papal mass, there was that big Mary Kate. You remember we were outside. There was like a some I don't even remember what they called it, some festival or whatever. Yeah. And the the Pope was there. There's other things going on, but it was, this was in the evening, and it, it's I think it was pretty long if I remember. But it was. Yeah, exactly. Okay, <laughs> so I'm remembering correctly. So. Uh, I think we actually had, at least my particular group, we had started to leave before it was done. and But there were screens set up, big screens set up throughout the city mm-hmm. so that people, even if they weren't right near the Pope, they could see what he was saying. So at any rate, we're, we're kind of making our way back a little bit, and, and then the Pope starts to to speak. And so we we stop, my group, we stop, and we look at, at at this screen that's in the city to just because hey the pope's going to say something we got to we got to stop we got to listen here this was one of the speeches he had that was kind of more um, spontaneous you know sometimes he he likes to do that and and in this particular speech he referred to the family as the factory of hope mm. which is uh, one of the great uh, lines he he had about the family so I, I was there in philly when he said that and but as he said that i just decided to look around me I looked around and I saw all these different people taking in the words of the Pope and from different stages of their journey in family life. Mm. I saw babes in arms. I saw newlyweds. I saw elderly members of a family in a wheelchair being pushed along by someone that they love. And, and I really, in that moment had this sense from the Lord that, you know, family is good Mm. and that the mission of the church really needs to be proclaiming this like far and wide and that family is so good. Family is such a gift from God, a beautiful gift from God. I really, as the Pope was speaking and then I was just observing people around me, that was something that really struck home to me. You know, to go along with that as well, you know, during that same meeting, though, I don't know, if, I don't think this was in Philadelphia. I think maybe this was in Washington, D.C. 
but it was during the same visit of the Pope to the U.S. He had a sit-down with the bishops of the United States, and he kind of talked about, you know, what is what are the challenges confronting the family? You know, and, and I think that's a great question. And I think if we ask that, hey, what are the challenges facing families today? We'd probably be able to list off a lot of answers to that, wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Backed up by a lot of statistics and not even just backed up by statistics, but backed up by people that we know, right? Who are just sharing their own lives and their own woundedness. And so I think if we were to be asked that, okay, what's the big challenge facing families today? We'd have a lot of answers for that. The, the Pope kind of addressed this a little bit. You know, he said, for the church, the family is not first and foremost a cause for concern, but rather the joyous confirmation of God's blessings upon the masterpiece of creation. Every day all over the world, the church can rejoice in the Lord's gifts of so many families who even amid difficult trials remain faithful to their promises and keep the faith. And then he said something to them that really, really struck me. He said, I would say that the foremost pastoral challenge of our changing times is to move decisively toward recognizing this gift. For all the obstacles we see before us, gratitude and appreciation should prevail over concerns and complaints. The family is the fundamental locus of the covenant between the church and God's creation. Without the family, not even the church would exist. Nor could she be called what nor could she be what she is called, a sign, an instrument of communion with God and of the unity of the entire human race. And so what struck me about that when the Pope is saying this to the bishops was this. You know, if, if I were to be asked that, what's the foremost pastoral challenge confronting the church? I, I maybe would, would list one of those difficulties, one of those concerns, right? Maybe it's high divorce rates. Maybe it's just fewer people getting married. Maybe it's people not having children, et cetera. We could list many, many things that would go into that. But, but he said the foremost pastoral challenge is that we need to recognize and proclaim the gift of the family. Mm-hmm. And I really was struck by that. And that kind of corresponded to just my experience of listening to talk about the Factory of Hope and, and seeing everyone around. And so I was really struck by that, that the great challenge for the church when it comes to the family today is, is communicating the gift of who the family is. Because right? mm-hmm. when we know who we are, that gives us strength, that gives us joy, that gives us confidence. Right? We can't just know, you know what our shortcomings are, what our failings are, as individuals, that's, that's not good for us either, right? We need to know who we are. That gives us a strength. And so mm-hmm. I think that's part of what the mission of the church is, and that's something that the Pope was trying to communicate during his time here. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm struck by just this, this reminder for all of us to think of the family as a gift, right? Yeah. You know, you say that your priesthood is a gift, mm-hmm. right? And the priesthood is a gift, or we would say that consecrated religious and those who take religious vows, like that is a gift because we think that those vocations are special. But the vocation to marriage, to holy marriage, is just as important. Mm-hmm. And it, that's a gift. And that's being united, you know, the one man, one woman. And then if God blesses them with children, like everything is a gift, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. We, I think we forget that. We forget to pray for also holy marriages, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In the diocese that I was at before I moved here, they had the slogan, you know, we, we pray for holy vocations. Well, we pray for holy marriages, first of all. So to make holy disciples for a more holy diocese. So we pray for holy marriages, holy disciples, holy vocations, along with that, and to be a more holy diocese, right? It starts with the marriage. Mm-hmm. So yes, absolutely. And... And even and and that's where vocations to the priesthood and the religious life also come from too. We forget that. And and John mm-hmm. Paul II communicated that in his book Gift and Mystery, in which he's recounting his own journey to the priesthood. He talked about his his home being a domestic seminary. Mm. Especially, you know, was very moved by the influence of his father because his mom died when he was only eight years mm-hmm. old. And he referred to that, looking back, 50 years later, looking back on his priesthood, he referred to the home as domestic seminary. It's where the first kind of, where he was first being trained in the priesthood, you know, because he was learning those lessons of love from his family. Right. So, which are so essential to any vocation. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I find that it's beautiful that he refers to it as a gift, the family as a gift, because if you think about it, the husband and wife make a gift of themselves to each other and through that gift of themselves they are gifted then with the lives of their children i love that that that's the word that he used is gift but i think you're completely right emma so many times we hear we pray for vocations to the priesthood in religious life but not very often do we hear for also holy marriages mm-hmm. and that's always kind of bothered me a little bit because all the vocations are equally important. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I completely agree with your your assessment there that, mm-hmm. you know, we need to pray for marriages as well. Mm-hmm. For all vocations, yeah. yeah. Well, in, you know, another gift in our faith is the gift of the Eucharist. I know, Father, you've mentioned to me how the, the Eucharist and the nuptial blessing within a marriage, they're very Eucharistic, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. illustrating the same kind of self-giving love. And so I was wondering if, because a lot of our listeners probably wouldn't make that connection, right? Mm-hmm. Or even mm-hmm. like recognize like, oh yeah, that's like a, the same thing, you know. Uh, if you could speak into that and maybe just share how the Eucharist and the the union during a wedding mass is, they're, they're these nuptial. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think the Eucharist and, and marriage are really meant to to kind of shed light on each other in a certain sense. You know, so why, why is that? Now, one of the things John Paul said in his Familiaris Consortio, which was his uh, work on, on the family, you know, he said, the Eucharist is the source from which the marriage covenant is interiorly structured and continuously renewed and is the source of its missionary dynamism. So what does it mean that the Eucharist is, gives the structure of a marriage covenant? You know, what does, that, what does that even mean? It's obviously saying there's something about the meaning of the Eucharist that sheds light on what the meaning of marriage is, the meaning of the marriage covenant. Of course, what is marriage? Marriage is the union of two people in love with each other, right? That unite themselves completely, giving all that they are to each other, entering into that covenant. And that love is so powerful, right, that it bursts forth, can burst forth into life, right? Physical life, giving birth to someone, 
a new life, someone who will live forever. I mean, that's pretty powerful. Yep. You know, that's pretty powerful. <laughs> so it's this union of, of love that is fruitful. Well, well, what is the Eucharist? You know, what is the Eucharist? The Eucharist is the gift of Jesus himself to us, right? The sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary that's made present for us at the Mass. You know, and when we're receiving Holy Communion in the Eucharist, that is a union, a communion, as mm-hmm. we say. It's the union of two people, you know, the Lord and us. It's, it's a covenant. We're entering into union with, with our beloved, the one who has come to, to set us free, come to draw us to himself. And the same thing is true. That union that we have with Jesus bursts forth into life, right? It brings forth fruit. So the mm-hmm. Eucharist, being present to the Eucharist at Mass, being present in Eucharistic adoration, receiving Jesus in Holy Communion, this bursts forth into life in our souls and in those around us. And so we see that, that it sheds light, it sheds light on that. But at the same time, I think that the Eucharist can help us to understand also like the, the sacrificial dimension of marriage, I think, because remember, how does that union take place? Right? We can only have that communion with Jesus because he has sacrificed himself for mm-hmm. us. This is my body given for you. To me, that's, that's one of the main ways you could understand what marriage means. This is my body given for you. I mean, that in some ways sums up so much of what the marriage covenant is about. The, the daily sacrifices, the, the being present to each other, intimacy, all of that is an expression of that. This is my body given for you. So marriage in the Eucharist reminds us that you know, our life is not simply our own, right? Mm-hmm. That we're called to live for others, with others. Mm-hmm. And and so I think it's very helpful to constantly kind of be looking back and forth between the, these two sacraments and asking the question, what about the Eucharist can, can marriage help unveil for me? You know, what about marriage can the Eucharist help unveil for me? Looking back and forth at these things, right? Mm-hmm. And marriage, remembering that it's a nuptial, the Eucharist is a nuptial sacrament, should be a reminder to us as well that we should come to the Mass excited, mm-hmm. ready, ready to receive the Lord. You know, John Paul II says when we receive Holy Communion, it's not only we receiving Jesus, but he receives us. Mm. Now think about that for a moment. Think about being at a wedding, okay? Being at a wedding and they're starting to play, you know, Pachelbel's Canon or whatever it is they play. <laughs> and, you know, everyone's standing up and... You know, the bride is starting to walk down the aisle to meet her, her bridegroom. You know, I, I've had a, many weddings at this point, and, and that's often a beautiful just gaze to see how they look at each other, right? In a certain sense, he's waiting for her to come. He's waiting for her with this deep sense of anticipation and joy, and vice versa. She's coming with, with a deep sense of anticipation and joy as well. Shouldn't that characterize how we receive the Eucharist? Mm-hmm. You know that Jesus is waiting for us with a passion and that we should go to him with a passion, right? So, so that's one example, but I think that there's many things we can learn simply by allowing them to mutually illuminate each other, mm-hmm. I guess, these two sacraments. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm.
when you were speaking, I was just reminded of Ephesians 5. Mm. You know, when St. Paul says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and offered himself up for her. Christ died for us on the cross, and he said, This is my body. And that's essentially what a husband and a wife say to each mm. other in marriage. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is me. This is all of me for you. And so I feel like the cross is the ultimate example of a good holy marriage yes it is absolutely because it's it's the model of what love looks like and the eucharist is what helps us to kind of live that out in our life you know and what that looks like in a marriage can sometimes look very very different sometimes maybe it's all right i got up to change the diaper last time it's your turn or whatever (laughs) you know sometimes there's little things sometimes just you know denying our own selves so we can be present to the suffering of another to the joy of another really being attentive to them there there are many sometimes big ways and many small ways in which this is lived out but you're absolutely right you know the on the cross we have exemplified for us both jesus's intense passion for us his desire for us right i thirst he says Mm -hmm but also his great sacrifice for us. Marriage, you know, and love, it it always kind of has both of these things, this desire for the other, this passion for the other, and also this sacrifice for the other. And the cross shows that, and marriage, you know, encompasses that as well. Mm. That love poured out. Yeah. That that Mm -hmm. total, that kenosis, right? And, and, And that word kenosis just means that when Jesus pours himself out, he empties himself completely, like he holds nothing back you know Mm, 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 and mm. it's the same thing you know when jesus does that in the eucharist you know and every single holy sacrifice of the mass he does that but you also get that in marriage too like that pouring out of one person into the other Mm. and that love and and how important that is that we sometimes lose track of love poured out Mm, and mm -hmm, mm when jesus does that he does that also through the grace of the holy spirit it happens within a marriage as well Mm -hmm. that's that's i could you just sit there meditate on that you read philippians chapter 2 isn't it five verses 5 through 11 i think talks about this this outpouring of of christ and 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 just this beautiful way Mm -hmm. so well something that we always do in in each episode is like a practical application Mm -hmm. type of thing and mary kate i know you had some questions of just like these are like real life questions on on how do people in the sacrament of matrimony help keep the eucharist central but also like especially when actively engaging and encountering jesus in the sacraments so mary kate what you got for him so father You have a lot of nieces and nephews, so I know you've got some sort of an experience with this, but what would you say to young parents who are struggling through adoration hours and mass or maybe just not even going because the kids are too hard to handle and they are struggling because what once was easy and a blessing when they were single or dating or first married and didn't have kids has now become a hardship? You know, with kids, first of all, I think it's important that parents don't feel, because it's easy to feel kind of self-conscious if kids are acting up and these types of things. And I think it's important to recognize that people want you there. You know, the priests want you there. People want you there. Families and children is a sign of life in, in church. People want you there. And, and whenever I, I think I think of a, a story with Fulton Sheen, you know, one time, it's, the way the story goes, a baby was crying during mass and afterwards he wanted to comfort the mother and just say you know put her at ease and he says don't worry at all your baby was not bothering me 
And she said, I know, Father, you were bothering him. So, <laughs> so I, I, I like to remind families that, like, it really doesn't bother us priests. You know, like, we, we want people to be there. So I think that's, that's really important. And also just, just remember, God, God's going to have an effect. And I think that too often when it comes to prayer, we get too focused on, am I doing it well? Am I doing it right? Is it, does it matter? Is it having an effect? All these types of things. But it's important to remember that prayer, when it comes to prayer, relationship with God, we, we just, it's its own reward. It's its own benefit. We aren't asking those same questions just in our day-to-day interactions with our family members, for example. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it well? We're not constantly kind of asking those types of things. So I think it's important that we kind of have the same type of understanding when we go to prayer that we're not like worried about doing it perfectly or something like that. You know, we we come and and God loves us and that's always going to have an effect on us, which we're not necessarily going to see day to day. It's important that families aren't, to use an analogy from health, that you're not constantly kind of stepping on the scales. Sometimes when people are trying to lose weight, that's what they're doing. It's like, that's not helpful. And I think sometimes that can happen too. There can be too much of a preoccupation with that. And so you just kind of entrust that to the Lord like, and just trust that he's going to have an effect. But, but I think especially when it comes to adoration, and the Eucharist, like kids inherently get it. They inherently get that there's something special here. Mm-hmm. And, and I think when you can just kind of bring a child before the Eucharist and say, we're going to go spend time with Jesus. What do you want to tell Jesus today? Mm-hmm. What do you think Jesus is asking of you? How did Jesus bless you today? Very, very simple questions, but, but that can be powerful and that we're not always accustomed to, to asking. So just being able in our course of our conversation to express our own belief in the presence of the Lord, you know, that's going to sink in and have an effect. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, Jesus said, let the little children come to me, and he's given us a sacrament to really help us, you know, answer that desire that he has. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And I just, one popped into my mind here, being engaged can be a very crazy time for <laughs> you know for both the girl and the guy right it can be a very stressful time i have known people that question or struggle with keeping jesus at the center of that planning mm. you know and reminding themselves like okay yes we're making a commitment to each other but we're making a commitment to jesus to be a part of this what would you suggest to engaged couples as they're preparing for this beautiful sacrament to ways that they could keep Jesus at the center. Remember that like, okay, all of this craziness, it's for like planning the party or this, the, the wedding mass or the wedding ceremony, whatever, right? Making, checking the guest list 20 times or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it's all for just one day. Yeah. Right. But yeah. then that day is over and it's the rest of your lives now. So, what, what would be some encouragements or just even some different things that the engaged couples could do to keep their focus on, on Jesus? To keep their focus as, as they're preparing for their as, marriage. As they're preparing yeah. for their marriage. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think a few things. First of all, something I think can be really helpful is to, to really take time praying with what the liturgy is going to be saying, especially mm-hmm. if you're picking out if you're the one picking out the readings for your marriage, 
I would just encourage, you know, read over that. Don't just randomly select those. And even once you've selected them, spend time leading up, praying with those, bringing those to the Lord. Lord, what is it that you want to, to tell me about this? Or perhaps some of the prayers, praying over the promises, praying over the, the consent that's given, praying over the nuptial blessing. These can be ways in which you're kind of preparing for the marriage mm-hmm. as well. But of course, keeping in mind, as you mentioned, you know, the wedding is one day and, it, and it's a beautiful day. We want it to be beautiful because it's a beautiful thing and we celebrate beautiful things in our life. But of course, it's the beginning. And the hope would be that the love that the couple have for each other is, is the least that day, right? That it's mm-hmm. going to grow, grow each day after that, mature and deepen. And so I think that keeping that in mind as well is very important. But, but of course, I mean, nothing can replace just our own walk with the Lord. So uh, always just going back to, okay, do you have is our first things first in your life, right? in your own journey with the Lord? Are you going to Sunday Mass? Hmm. Are you receiving the sacrament of reconciliation? Is daily prayer a part of your life? These types of things, right, which are just kind of part and parcel of walking with, with the Lord are really important because, you know, we, we know that we cannot give what we do not have. And so we, we always need to be receiving, receiving from the Lord. So I think that's really, really mm-hmm. helpful as well. Yeah, and there's some good resources to kind of prepare as well. But, and also, but I would also say this, like when it comes to those planning things, it's okay to have them god part of that as well to invite him into that planning if you're picking flowers or whatever right there are ways to kind of say wow lord these particular flowers are beautiful thank you right so you're you're bringing the lord into even your planning right which not to Mm -hmm. compartmentalize that part of the preparation sure absolutely and you know one thing i thought of when both you asked the question and as you were talking about resources father was the book 3d get married by fulton sheen amazing book when you're both engaged or if you already are married because it's all about how yes there is the man and the woman but there is also fundamentally god Mm. in Mm. that love that they have and actually on my wedding band we have jason's favorite color and my favorite color and then a diamond in the middle because it signifies that there are three of us in this marriage, Mm. which is kind of funny because it's red and blue and then white. So everybody thinks we were just being patriotic, but (laughs) (laughs) that was not, (laughs) that was not what was going on there. That's a great idea though, with your, with the two and then with the diamond, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Well, and it also signifies that the two become one as well, but that was fundamentally, you know, there's, there's three in this marriage. I would really highly recommend three to get married by Fulton Sheen. Cool. I have not read that book yet. It's good. Maybe I'll have to read it. Father Kevin gave me a thumbs up. Where I don't know where he is now, but he just I, wandered off somewhere. I, I mentioned it, and he he gave me a thumbs up. So <laughs> <laughs> he wanders around sometimes like a lost little puppy. So, but he hasn't gone down the path of moral depravity. So that's good. Kind of like you did that one. Time. I know. Yeah, but I came back, so it's good. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up here. But uh, Father, it's been it's been a joy. Yeah. It's been so great. And so uh, speaking of joys, something that we end every single episode with is sharing a one joy. So something throughout the week or within the past like couple of weeks that has just really brought our hearts that pure joy. And so we won't make you go first. 
so you can have a little bit of time to think about it. Oh, man, Mary Kate to the nose goes. <laughs> so I guess I'll have to, to go. All right, so my one joy was just that my friends, Greg, Matt, and Julia visited. It was just a joy to be with them. We're pals, right? We've been through a lot together. We've journeyed a lot together. And so it's like hanging out with family. And so just a, a great joy. And I'm just very grateful for them. I mean, Greg and Matt are like brothers and Julia is like a sister. So just really great. Grateful for time, any time that we get to spend together. So that's, uh, that's my one joy. Now you get to go. All right. So my one joy is a little bit ago, we celebrated the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas. And we had a celebration at the Payne apartment. A couple of friends joined us. Complete with incense. There was incense, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure some of them were shocked that we had a thermal and incense. I was not because I knew. Yeah. But you, you will know. never again let me be in charge our of house, Our house still smells like incense. I'm not joking. <laughs> but uh, no, we... we eight we played virtual reality we had cake and cookies and it was it was a true celebration of saint thomas aquinas so i i was very grateful for that time okay father oh so many joys but you know one thing that i would say i'm really just being led into this stage in my life in a deeper way is just the joy of being a father of a parish a pastor of a parish and being able to be part of people's lives. So I'm really just in my own life, just seeing more and more like what a gift it is to be able to be entrusted with people to, to serve them, to give them the Lord. And it's really, so I guess the joy would be like just this, you know, deeper appreciation just for the gift of, of fatherhood mm. in the priesthood that I see. And kind of like something that we, we spoke at the beginning just how important it is to remember the gift of marriage that family mm. is a gift marriage is a gift and i often will say that to to couples in marriage prep or just you know couples who you know maybe have been married for a while but it's so important never to to lose that 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 sense of the giftedness of the other like on christmas morning we unwrap a gift and we love it it's our favorite but we know as kids, we've had the experience of being super excited about a gift we've unwrapped and we play with it for a while. And then over time, it loses its importance to us. We've all had that experience. And when it comes to relationships, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to our vocations, when it comes to my vocation, for example, as a priest, it's important that we recognize that each day, each person, right, is a gift to mm -hmm. us from God, right, so that we don't fall into thinking that it's just somehow know ours or that we take things for granted uh, when we see that god can help restore that joy that we have in our life so mm -hmm. yeah just really grateful to be able to serve does your joy of being a father also include my horrible dad jokes that i tell you every day i i do include those <laughs> some are not too bad so some are great i didn't get this Good. mornings because it was not this today's was absolutely horrible Ugh. i was like this is not even the slightest bit funny i don't even understand it so i didn't even share it with father yeah. so it wasn't share worthy huh? yeah no yeah. no uh, it will be trashed yeah okay all right some are good though yes some are good they are mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah all right well would you like to close this out in a prayer sure all right first of all just want to say thanks for having me on oh, yeah. and being with you 
I and guess maybe we'll have you on again. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks and be praying for you and, and praying for everyone yes. who, who listens you. as well. Thank, Thank you. Father. Thank you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would please anoint us with your joy, especially pray for all families, that they would be those true factories of hope that Pope Francis referred to. We pray that you would just renew all marriages, renew all families, help them to be places where your son Jesus is is honored and shared and rejoiced in. You're so good, Lord. We love you. We just pray that you would deepen our faith and help us always to keep our eyes fixed on your son Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, and the bridegroom Mm -hmm. of the church. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father Father and the Son and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in for another week. And thanks, Father Andy. It's been a joy. You're welcome. I, I, joy. I know, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but until next time, know that we're praying for you and please pray for us. Have a great week. God bless. Bye bye.